I am happy to announce that the winner is All About Eve. Parasite. Kramer versus Kramer. Chicago! West Side Salt. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. One flew over the cuckoo. Shakespeare in Love. May I have the envelope, please? It is March 25th, 1985. We are at the 57th Annual Academy Awards at the tried and true Dorothy 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 Chandler Pavilion in in downtown LA Um, and uh, we have Jack Lemmon presiding over the ceremonies uh, the delightful Jack Lemmon and it is time for the big award of the night the envelope please I'm here to present as the best picture award And the winner for this is Amadeus. Welcome back to yet another episode of The Envelope. Please, everyone, this is the podcast we watch and discuss every Best Picture winner in chronological order. And we are your hosts. I'm Sam. I'm Rance. Welcome back. Welcome back. 1984. The 57th Oscars. This is just insane to me, Rance. Every time we do another episode, I'm like, are we really that far into this already? It just it baffles really, me how far we are. It really... I, I think it also feels to me like we're even farther because I think of 1985 as 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. I... Yep. And it's... Um, it's 36 or... A bit 30. further. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I... Um, my idea of... I don't realize that I'm over 30, but I am, you know. <laughs> uh, so it's... Uh, I have a weird perception of time, but, you know. That's fair. And this was kind of an interesting ceremony. We had mm-hmm. a very... Uh, kind of another kerfuffle with the Best Picture Award. We did. The presenter was Laurence Olivier, and he walked out onto the stage to present the Best Picture Award, and without even listing off any of the nominees, he just announces the Best Picture winner. So what you all just heard uh, in that clip from him presenting, that's about all he did. And thankfully... When Saul Zanz got up to accept the Oscar for Amadeus, he did list off the other nominated films, gave them their due, gave them kind of a moment to shine as being the nomination, uh, the nominated films. But <laughs> So, Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty was not the first Oscar snafu for Best Picture. Laurence yes. Olivier tackled that back in 1984. <laughs> Although he at least awarded it to the right movie. <laughs> we could... Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> um... But uh, apparently at this point in time, Olivier was starting to have issues with uh, dementia. Sure. And um, and so he just kind of lost his place, if you will. Sure. Um, but uh, anyway, um, one of the greats out there presenting, um, and he just wanted to get right to it. <laughs> Absolutely. He was like, this just show is pushing over three hours. We got to just wrap this up. Amadeus, take your Oscar. Let's get out of here. Let's go to a party. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of when uh, Meryl Streep um, seemingly just decided that Daniel Day-Lewis won because we didn't yes. see her open the envelope. 
she just is like Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> I want to give this Oscar to DDL, and that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll discuss that more in uh, in twenty some odd years. Um, Absolutely. But uh, this is, as you said, um, I think it's a, a very interesting year because I think this is a year where um, pop culture really intersects with mm-hmm. the Oscars in an interesting way. Um, we have uh, uh, Purple Rain amongst the nominees. Purple Rain, Purple Rain. Um, which is bringing in uh, one of the top pop icons of all time, but particularly one of the top pop stars of the mid-1980s um, into the Academy conversation. Um, uh, Prince actually won an Oscar uh, tonight. Um, and uh, this is also the only time that all five Best Original Song nominees were number one hits on the Billboard charts. Whoa, that's really cool. Yeah. That so, doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> yes, and in case you're wondering, I just called to say I love you one Best Original Song for Stevie Wonder. Also the first time more than one black... Um, uh, more than one black American won uh, Oscars in the same night. Oh, um, work. Which is awesome. Um, then Against Against All Odds, Take a Look at Me Now, from Against All Odds by Phil Collins, was a number one hit. Footloose, from Footloose, Kenny Loggins. Obviously. Was a, <laughs> was a number one hit. Let's Hear It for the Boy, from Footloose, was also a number one hit. And the theme from Ghostbusters... Um, yeah, those are all also, great songs. Those are great songs. It's a songs. really, this is a really, uh, I mean, I don't know what I would have picked out of that. I would have picked Let's Hear It For The Boys. <laughs> I mean, but that's, why would you have picked that, Sam? Let's, that song uh, is catchy. It's <laughs> catchy. It's... It describes how you feel about life. <laughs> um, I occasionally, I don't think I know anything other than the main chorus of I Just Called To Say I Love You, but I occasionally to myself will just sing along and it, i don't know yeah. where this comes from but i occasionally go like i just called definitely to say definitely i love and i don't know i know none of the rest of the song it's just that. accurate yes, yes. That's <laughs> so accurate that happens to me too i'll just find myself singing it randomly and i don't even like have to have heard it before to get it stuck in my head i just sing it once no. i'm like well that's in my head all day now great you know, I probably just, you know, it's probably one of those things that you hear. You know how, I don't know if this, I'm speaking about a grocery store that is specific to California, mm. but every Ralph's I go into is always playing retro, um, like, 70s, 80s music. And right. um, particularly 80s, like lots of 80s music every time I go into. Um, and that is, I think, one of the songs that I will sometimes hear as I'm walking down the aisle. That would make sense. Yeah. Anyway, so good year for for music, and interestingly, music uh, intersecting. Yes, um, into our Best Picture winner. Into our Best Picture winner. Popular music in a much, much different um, way. (laughs) Much different, much different. And Amadeus really does, it it dominates the conversation. It won eight Oscars tonight. And um, Maurice Jari who won Best Original Score for A Passage to India, actually said when he accepted his Oscar that he was thankful that Mozart wasn't eligible 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank God there was no original music in Amadeus. Thank God. <laughs> um, uh, true. Uh, which uh, I will say, Maurice Jari. Um, it's another great score from him. He uh, he did uh, I, all of the famous David Lean. Yeah, music. You know all the those earworms that we uh, know from from him. So congratulations on I believe his final Oscar. I say right. final, and I actually don't know how many he won. I'm just assuming he won multiple Oscars because it feels like he would deserve it. So yeah. um, nominated for nine, won three for this Lawrence of Arabia and Doctor Zhivago. That so would that make sense. sense. Those are great scores. <laughs> they are indeed great scores. Um, they are indeed. So, uh, let's yes. just go right into this. Tell me, Sam, do you have any snubs today? I I have one snub, and it's for original screenplay for the movie Romancing the Stone. Oh, Diane I love Thompson. that. No, yes, yes. That's a yes. great movie. Yes. Okay. It is a fucking great movie. Romance in the Stone is fantastic. Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas make such a great pair in this movie. And we will talk about the sequel, too, whenever. Yes, we will get into Jewel of the Nile. (laughs) Uh, I love this movie, and I think Diane Thomas's screenplay is great. And what's interesting about this, and kind of sad, too, is this was her only screenplay to get turned into a movie. She actually died only like a year and a half after this movie came out. And that, to me, is really, really tragic, because imagine all of the movies and the screenplays she could have, you know, produced if she was still with us. So I think it would have been, been yeah, at least a nomination. You know, I'm not saying it needs to win. uh, With the, you know, stiff competition that is this year, but I think... Romancing the Stone is right up there with the best of the original screenplays this year. I love it. And, like, oddly, the only nomination it got was for film editing. Yeah, um, which... I it mean, was I a huge, see it. It was a huge box office hit. Like, huge this was, hit. Um, and it catapulted Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner to superstardom mm-hmm. at the time. Oh, yes. Um, Danny DeVito, um, as well, um, was already... And like, and all of them had already been in movies, but this yeah. movie being such a huge hit, and that trio would make um, two more movies together, including the sequel to this one, Jewel and Isle, and they also did The War of the Roses a few years later, which Danny DeVito also directed. Um, oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah, um, and all three. Uh, these two, two of them are in the same vein. War of the Roses is a very different movie, but it's also really, really good. Um, and now Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner, um, they co-starred in the la- I haven't watched it yet, but they co-starred in the last season of The Kaminsky Method. Uh, I love The Kaminsky Method. I think that's a really good show. <laughs> I really love it. <laughs> I think she plays his ex-wife. If yes. I'm- yeah. Um, so they're like a classic little mm-hmm. screen pairing, and they have a great push and pull, I think. They really do. And the screenplay really serves their kind of, um, it's almost like a, a Myrna Loy, William Powell type of. Yes, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, very classic Hollywood back and forth, mm-hmm. but like on location and doing all the stunts and, and um, anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a really good movie and I would be perfectly open for it being in any conversation. Literally um, any conversation. I, I would talk actor, actress. I would talk, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would talk any category. I love Romance in the Stone and it still holds up too. Like, there's a lot of rom-coms, I think, from the 80s and 90s, especially, that kind of don't hold up anymore. 
just mm-hmm. due to, you know, the changing of times in society. But this one really does. This one really holds up. It's a really great time with the movies. Well, I also really like... I, t- I mentioned her a few years ago when we talked about Body Heat. I mm. really like Kathleen Turner. Yeah. And I really like her her story because she, um, she has kind of a rough go of it because she um, has dealt for years with rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis in a right. really, really bad, often debilitating way. And she's been very open with her struggles with that and how that's affected her career, her energy, her appearance. And, um, and I love it when somebody is so, uh, like, um, not afraid to, to shed the vanity and just yeah. talk honestly about uh, the difficulties they've been through. And, um, but the work that she does in this kind of, um, I don't know, five or six year period where she's this huge box office star, there's some really good movies. And I'm looking forward to talking about uh, Peggy Sue Got Married in a couple of years. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, All right. Do you have any snubs for this year, Rance? You know, here this is a tough year because um, the movies I really like from this year, I don't know how to make it work um, as far as <laughs> nominating them for things. Because okay, okay, um, okay. I'll mention the least likely first. Okay, I can't wait. I I don't think I can justify nominating Top Secret for much of anything. Um, but <laughs> Top Secret is another Zucker Brothers farce. Um, spoof that is uh like a spoof of spy movies it's val kilmer's first real big role he's gorgeous in it um and it's it's stupid but i love it so much i think gremlins is a really fun movie Uh, Gremlins Um, is a fun movie and i mean again i'm not sure where you put a movie like gremlins um Uh. i think the visual effect i don't know visual Um, effects yeah makeup makeup um you know uh yeah um and i the little the little dolls and stuff are are very well done i could oh yeah the effects are great there's only three visual effect noms as it is we could give the fourth oh yeah we could easily slide gremlins in there um and uh but um i okay and i am also my favorite muppet movie <laughs> well <laughs> this is a hard this is a hard thing to quantify but my favorite one growing up at least i think my favorite current one like currently as an adult my favorite's the muppet, the muppet christmas carol which we will get there but um <laughs> oh yes um, oh yes uh but it is by i will say this again in 1992 but it is by far the best version of a christmas carol Anyway, um, The Muppets Take Manhattan is a super yes. fun little movie about the uh, literally the Muppets uh, putting on a Broadway show. Um, and it has a slew of celebrity cameos, yeah. um, including an extended one by one Miss Liza Minnelli, which is very important for life. Um, <laughs> In general. It also has... A, um, my favorite Muppet song of in any Muppet movie in it, um, which I could have, I mean, like, yes, these are great original song nominees, but I'm just saying this could have been an option. Um, it's in this extended dream sequence where, um, Miss Piggy imagines what it would have been like if Kermit and her had known each other as babies. And so we, they get maybe baby puppet Muppets, 
um, in a in like a little playroom, and that is the basis of what becomes the cartoon, The Muppet Babies, which was huge when I was a kid, and um, and I think there's a newer version of The Muppet Babies that exists now, but um, the song is called "And I'm Always Gonna Love You" or or some. Thing like that and it yeah. you'll, you can find you can find it somewhere and play a clip for everybody but it's like uh um you'll be a movie star and i'm gonna be and i'm always gonna <laughs> love you na 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 shoop 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 Anyway, um, it is one of my <laughs> absolute best memories uh, from growing up, and I would have at least given that an original song nomination. Uh, again, you never see something like um, the Muppets in any of these technical categories, but you don't see the strings, people, and they those puppets look good. You think Kermit and his piggy are real. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That is very <laughs> and true. Finally, and, yeah. Yes. And finally, the most legitimate snub <laughs> that I yes. have. This should, I think, at least be an original screenplay nomination. I think directing would make sense. Um, there's a couple performances in here that I think should be in at least supporting categories. I think This is Spinal Tap is Ooh. Christopher Guest's best movie. And go. it started an entire genre of... I, you know, we'd had the spoofs that were more in the vein of, of Airplane, but we hadn't had um, this more direct, um, uh, like a stri- this this is like the birth of shows like Shits Shits Creek. You know, what I'm saying right. that um, that kind of straight uh, straight man spoof, if that makes sense, where you have yeah. everybody deadpanning. Everybody's taking everything super seriously. Nothing is like, um, it, it's just a world where people say and do weird things, but it's treated totally normally. And I think yeah. it's because of this movie. Um, obviously, we get all those other great Christopher Christopher Guest movies that happen later, like Best in Show and uh, Waiting for Guffman. Um, but uh, this is. Um, I think also, like, the movie Drop Dead Gorgeous, I think, can be traced to something like This Is Spinal Tap. Yeah. You know? um, it's legendary, and it's just super weird to me that it didn't get one one nomination. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. That is very bizarre. That is bizarre. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I love it. Yeah, That's... I can see it popping up in screenplay. That would make sense to me. Probably the most sense would be in the screenplay category. But anyway, these are these are um, you know movies that aren't necessarily Academy-ish films. I just very think true, I and it should like be them. noted as well. It should be noted as well that this is a very strong year for movies. Nineteen eighty-four has a lot of really strong films. So trying to find snubs in this year's really trying to like like you know finding pulling teeth or you know finding needle in the haystack is you really have to get very specific which ones because they do highlight in their nominations, quite a few movies that I agree with and uh, that I love, you know? So, yeah. So, uh, on that note, is there something you would like to spotlight? 
there is something I want to spotlight. I want to talk about the movie Splash for a minute. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yes, I, I thought about mentioning love that. this yeah. movie. Splash yes. is fantastic. Um, one of Ron Howard's earlier films. And another early Tom Hanks movie. We get Daryl Hannah. If you haven't seen Splash, it's a movie about um, a down-in-his-luck grocery store manager played by Tom Hanks who encounters a very mysterious and beautiful woman on a beach. And after he gets to know her and falls in love with her, he finds out that she's hiding a secret from him. She's actually a mermaid. She's Ariel. She's literally Ariel. Um, (laughs) But not I mean, basically... Basically, I've wanted to be a mermaid ever since I first learned how to swim as a child, which is when I was basically crawling on the floor. And this movie let me live out my mermaid fantasy over and over again as a kid. It's one of my all-time favorites, and it has one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. It's the scene where Madison, who's played by Daryl Hannah, she's the mermaid, it's when she's in the bathtub and she pours the salt in the water. Uh-huh. And then it turns her legs to fins. I can't tell you how many times I tried to recreate that in my own bathtub at home and just praying that I would have a tail at the end of my bath. It's, it just seems like a bad idea, Sam. <laughs> I just want fins, Rance. I want to swim in the ocean. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Well, you know, um, uh... Splash um, is also really the launch of Tom Hanks as a movie star. Oh, yeah. It also is the legitimate launch of director Ron Howard. Yes. Yeah, this is a big movie to set the course of the rest of their careers, you know? And I love how totally original this movie is, you know? This is... And to talk, let's talk about the cast. You know, it's not just Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah who are amazing. The supporting players in this are also amazing. You brought up Shit's Creek. Eugene Levy in Splash is so good. You know, he's like a villain at first, and he has a funny catchphrase in the movie because, you know, shit keeps happening to him. He just can't catch a break, so he keeps saying, what a week I'm having. And John Candy, the late John Candy, plays Tom Hanks' brother in this movie, and he's also good. He kind of plays a shithead. He's, I think this is probably the worst character he's played, but he does it so well, and he's really, really funny in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think I love the most about this movie, what really makes it work, is that every character is taken care of. They all have their own individual journeys, not just the leads. Even the even John Candy and Eugene Levy, they have their own little mini arcs as well. You know, no one ends the movie in the same place they started, and you can't say that for every film. Normally, it's kind of the main characters who really go on the journey but everyone goes on a journey here you know and I think that's really really important and that's what keeps us so engrossed and coming back to this movie over and over again because you just love to see the end when everything kind of goes the way you want it to and they all overcome their obstacles and yeah it ends with them just swimming away in the ocean and I love that because I wouldn't be mad about seeing a Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah best actor best actress nomination I don't know I think their chemistry is fire so yeah, I love I, this movie. I'm I'm all about it, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's beautiful. Thank you, Sam. For you're very <laughs> welcome. What do you want to spotlight today, Rams? You want to talk about some more Muppets? I mean, I've already I've already <laughs> spotlighted so much, Sam. Um, I um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna mention two things. One's an actual spotlight, and the other is um, uh, 
is uh, just uh, a mention here okay. um, because I didn't say this at the top of the show, but this is important, I think. Um, Jimmy Stewart did win an honorary Oscar this year. He and, does. And this, uh, this is not the end of his career. He does continue um, doing some parts for a little while and has a significant voice role in Five Will Goes West. Um, but uh, an American tale, Five Will Goes West. Sorry, um, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> but um, of course, I just—he's one of my personal favorite actors of all time. I am named for a Jimmy Stewart character, so yes. I hats off to you, Mr. Stewart. We must give, um, him, give him his due. I also uh, just want to highlight something I don't usually highlight. Um, I uh, I think that Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Doom is probably the weakest of the th- original three. Indiana Jones movies. It's certainly stronger than Crystal Skull, but um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> easily. Um, but I will say it won visual effects this year, and even though there's parts of this movie that I think are problematic, um, the visual effects in this film are a giant leap forward. I think mm. in in uh, way visual effects are done. And I appreciate the fact that not only do they look so good, but with Indiana Jones, so much of what you're seeing is practical. Yes. Um, and I love, um, I love that you can watch this movie, you know, 35 years later, and it uh, the effects of it all still hold up so well. It also, um, and there are parts of it that I think are, are, I think as much as any Indiana Jones movie, what this movie does have is there are part, some parts that are legitimately disturbing. Yes, very. Yes. <laughs> yes, in this the, is the scariest one, I think. The Temple of Doom itself is very doomful. That's very, full of doom. It's full of doom. Um, I don't know if I think it was, maybe makeup would be a good nomination, film editing, but I don't know yeah. if I would say it deserves any of the higher categories. Um, but it is interesting to know that this is the movie that gave us PG-13. Yes, that is a good thing to highlight. We do have that because of Temple of Doom. You're right. Because it wasn't quite an R, mm-hmm. but it was too disturbing was for PG. a PG. <laughs> so the PG-13 rating comes in starting this year for that. Yes. The other things I want to highlight are all embedded within our Best Picture winner. Um, I love that. The only... Uh, but I... Before we get there, I need to mention one thing that is not movie-specific, okay. but it is one of the most iconic moments of any Oscar ceremony ever. Oh, do tell. And you'll know the second I tell you. Oh, boy. Um, but tonight is when Sally Field accepted Best Actress yeah. and said, The first time I didn't feel it. But this time I feel it, and I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. Thank you. Yes. I'm sure you'll find. I'm sure you just had Sally say it instead of me. But um, uh, <laughs> but, isn't it uh, funny how like that's kind of become a Mandela effect where people quote that incorrectly now? They think she says, "You like me. You really like me," and that's not what she says. 
Well, I don't know if you noticed this, but this is a mm-hmm. good transition into our Best Picture winner because what I noticed is in the movie Amadeus is the line, you liked it, you really liked it. Yes, that is <laughs> true. Good catch. That's and hilarious. the second I heard that, I was like, oh, that's ironic because this is that the is same year. That is super ironic. Wow. I know. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the, poor Sally Field, I think, really hates that that has become something that she is known for. I, you know, oh, you gotta, is... you gotta know that the emotions just took over. And I mean, she just won another Oscar. Like, if I were to win two Oscars, Lord help me, I don't know what's gonna come out of my mouth. So at yeah, least she said true. something that was sentences, you know, she put words together. I don't know. I would probably pass out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Should let's we get to, into Let's go to it? Amadeus. Let's let's get let's into it. Let's talk about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. <laughs> All right, so guys, quite simply, this movie is about one of the greatest composers of all time, Mozart. Have you heard of him? Um, did, did you had you heard of yes. him before this movie? Are we familiar? I don't. He, he's written a couple of songs, a couple of little little things, Just ditties, ditties. But the cool you know. thing about this movie is it's actually told through the eyes of one of his greatest rivals, Antonio Salieri. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I, I've seen this movie a billion times. So I want to hear your thoughts. Tell me what your impression was when you turned the movie off and you sat there. What were your thoughts? Well, this is the, as I this was the first time I had seen it. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone who listened at well last week knows I hadn't seen it before. Um, mm-hmm. And I um, I was immediately impressed with the film as soon as it started. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew when there was a cat on screen within the first thirty seconds, we were in for a good time. <laughs> Um, might I say later in the film also they're the when we see dogs they are the most annoying creatures on earth earth and and this is a this was made by a pro cat person this was (laughs) Milos Forman yeah he likes his kitties well I mean you know there's uh, that's a very that's almost sounds like a cat name it does (laughs) somebody would name a cat that right Um, but uh, um, the this okay, this movie is three hours long. Um, <laughs> I watched the director's cut, uh, which um, is 20 minutes longer than the version that won Best Picture, I should yep. clarify. Um, so I, I don't know what edits were made. I can't speak to that because I haven't seen the other version. But um, even at three hours, I thought this movie was very well paced. Um, very uh, frenetic even Um, I thought it was ingenious in its use of music and sound Um, I thought the sound design was just I love the way when the music's being composed you hear it and you hear the different parts of it depending on what it is he's composing at that moment Um, I love the entire way the relationship between the rivals is set up um, I, you know, we can have the who should have won best actor conversation if you'd like to, um, but we I, should. but I personally think that F. Murray Abraham, who um, played Solari, Solari, Salieri, um, Salieri, I can't I can't say any words correctly. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought that he was um, 
just a powerhouse Magnificent. the whole time. Yeah. And he's playing so many levels because, you know, he also, we get to see him very, very old as well. So he has to do that whole situation. And the makeup on him as an old man is fantastic because yeah. it, you would think it was an old person. Um, but the, um, the, the way in which he comes to be so bitter and mm-hmm. hate, um, hate Mozart um, and the way in which he then plays that where, you know, he, he's double crossing him basically the whole time. Um, it's just so, um, masterful and it's so fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of this is not accurate history necessarily, but, um, especially since the real life guy had a wife and children and <laughs> right he was not celibate he was <laughs> as not he is in celibate the movie. in this movie yeah um but i just i just absolutely loved it. i love the fact that they they allowed the actors to be modernish right uh, they keep their I, accents they all speak with an american accent yeah yes and it, it works because it's uniform yeah. And because it's like taking an old story, giving it the trappings, but allowing people to speak and act in a way that is a little bit more um, uh, with the current times, which I think just allows an older story, uh, a story from a different century to be more um, accessible to uh, the current generation, which I I love that. uh, you know, honestly, I didn't mention this with uh, with um, snubs, but I, I loved the actress who played his wife. Elizabeth um, Barrage. Yeah, Elizabeth she's fantastic. Barrage. I would have probably nominated for her for supporting actress. Um, I also love Anytime. She's one of those people that you probably, people don't know her name, but she's in a bunch of stuff. I mean, she's a really big Broadway actress. I love um, Christine Ebersole. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a small part in this, but she's really delicious for the little time she's on screen. And that voice. Um, oh, and she can sing. And that is really her, and which is incredible. And I, she's a Broadway legend. I oh, mean, yes. come on. Um, but uh, and that's this is the youngest I've ever seen her because I think mm-hmm. of her as being an older um, kind of character actress, honestly. Um, but uh, I, I just love, um, I just love everything about this. I thought it was. I a, know, right? It's. So I thought good. it was a perfect film. <laughs> I think it's fantastic too. This is such a random fact. This is <laughs> Amadeus is one of the first DVDs that my family ever bought when we got our first DVD player, you know, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea why. I don't know why that's like stuck with me too, but it really really has. I just remember thinking when we watched it as a family like this is the longest movie I've ever seen and I never want it to end. <laughs> So there's a fun little fact about me. This is one of the first DVDs that I ever owned. 
Well, and so goes your best picture obsession right there. That was where it began. Maybe that is where it began. No, but it, it was, it's interesting because I remember looking at the 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 case, the DVD case, and seeing the little thing in the corner that said winner of eight Academy Awards, including best picture. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That is probably where it started. Wow, we've pinpointed it. Amadeus, thank you. Yeah, I yeah. love this movie too. This movie is genius, and as you highlighted all the things that I wanted to talk about. I think the way they in, they do music in this movie is so good, and like I I also have played a lot of Mozart growing up, being in orchestras and um, concert piano recitals and whatnot. So I love Mozart's music so much, and hearing it as a score in a movie, in addition to it also being. Um, diegetically in the film too it's just such a fun mixture of both of those compounds coming together like you know you've uh, we compare these two scenes where Salieri first meets Mozart at his concert that he's late for and he looks at the music on the page and he's singing it in his head and we hear it in the background and but we're also seeing him as an old man recounting the music too. So it has all these levels of how this music has affected these characters at every stage of their life. And we see that. And I think that's so cool um, and unique, this movie too. And also in addition to that, one of the, the final scenes where uh, Mozart is dictating to Salieri how to write the score for his final opera, uh, the concerto in D. And... We're, we're hearing him tell Salieri what to write, and then we're hearing the music in the background as he's singing along to it. So it's all of these elements coming into place, and it makes the scene so, like you say, just keep moving and moving and moving. And it takes out all the dead space, and yeah, it makes this movie seem so much shorter than I think it actually is. And, like, what a task to do all these these um, operas as well. Like, there are several operas in this shown. movie. And yeah. Yeah, that are shown. I think that's that's such a mammoth task to undertake. Which which one is your favorite of the operas? You oh, like the I Christine Ebersole one? Uh, well, yes, just because she's in it. Um, yeah, she's fabulous. Yeah, yeah, that would probably be my... Too many um, notes. Too, too many, many notes. notes. Which that actually is true. There was some person who tried to critique Mozart by saying there's too many notes in his music, which I find hilarious. My favorite opera is The Magic Flute. I think that is fantastic. Oh, yes. With that soprano yes. doing right God knows what end. with her voice. so intense as he's breaking down yeah um, i love um i love the scene that you just mentioned um mm-hmm. with the two of them when he's um he's dictating and he's dying yes. and he's in bed yeah. and um just knowing how much is going on underneath the surface in that scene that mm-hmm. you have this character who wants to murder this other character Mm-hmm. Um, and, and take steal all the glory, the music. and take all the glory, um, and and yet the thing that informs it, and this is what we see in the present day quote unquote scenes um, when he's uh, narrating the story, um, is that there's this intense level of 
admiration and respect that yes. coexist with the animosity and the envy um, and the hatred. Um, and uh, it's just such a fascinating dichotomy to watch and watching it in that scene with Mozart as brilliant as he is just completely oblivious to the fact that this person he thinks is a friend at this point is a backstabber you know Um, he's literally driving him to his grave literally driving him to his grave but at the same time you know at that point in that scene you know it's you almost have to wonder well maybe at this point he he's changed his mind about mozart because the way you see it you see an evolution almost yes. in him um especially when his wife comes back and um he understands unlike her i don't think just how important the work is yes you know? totally totally um i don't know it's it's there's a lot of levels going on there and i i just true i loved it and, what's, yeah i was yeah. gonna say what to uh, piggyback off of that what's interesting about the relationship between mozart and salieri is that he see salieri mentions early on that he feels cursed and there's some truth to that like he has an ear for music he knows what's good music and what's bad music but he's not able to write good music you know he can write music fine but he does he's not able to do it like mozart is and that's where the jealousy comes in so he is cursed forever to like be able to appreciate good music but he'll never be able to reach that standard himself and that's what drives him crazy like there's that brilliant scene where when mozart is first introduced to the emperor and salieri writes a march a little march on the piano for mozart's entrance as soon as Mozart comes in, the emperor says, oh yeah, our court composer Salieri wrote you that march that you heard. And Mozart goes, oh nice. And he's like, you want to play it? Oh, I've got it right here in my head. So Mozart sits down and starts to play the march that was written, but he changes it and he makes Mm -hmm. it better and he perfects it. that scene is like Mozart's face because it's like Mozart doesn't know that he's being like kind of arrogant and immodest he's just playing around the piano doing what he's been doing his whole life and I love it when he's like does that sound better that sounds better right and he finishes it and he has that little laugh can we talk about Mozart's laugh for a second oh well the laugh is so (laughs) well I mean it's so um close to crazy (laughs) yeah it's like just crazy enough to be realistic but not too crazy where you're like oh this is now farce or he's making 
you know, fun of somebody or something. It feels like a quirk. It feels like that, um, that, that thing that you expect from a tortured artist where they're just a little off. Yes. Just a wee bit. And I think that's true, though. When you do have somebody as genius as Mozart, I think there are are other areas. I mean, he's a child. He acts like a spoiled brat his whole life, you know, because he kind of, to him, writing these genius works of music don't take anything from him. You know what I mean? Like, it's nothing to him to just, like, sit down and write a beautiful piece of music. It doesn't take long at all. But to someone like Salieri, he has to sit down and really focus and work, work, work just to pump out a a mediocre tune. Mozart can write a seven-hour-long opera in a day, you know, and it's nothing to him. That's the difference that we're dealing with here, and that's what Salieri is trying to steal from Mozart. Well, you know, the thing is, um, the I mean, that ends up being the point of the entire film in that last scene when he's going through this mental ward, psychiatric facility, wherever it is he's been put, um, and he just starts blessing the mediocre, you know? Yes. Um, and it's, uh, I think that, kind of summarizes the entire point of the movie which is that um how do i how do i crystallize this it's um those who who spend their lives in envy are destined for a life of mediocrity something like that Ooh, that hits i feel that yeah yes. Ooh, um, I like that. Um, that's that's kind of what it, it, it feels like. And it feels sure. like he just resolved himself to live in this state of envy and then regretful envy later. You know? True. It's, when um, you kind of stop living for yourself, you're living for, like, the torture and the takedown of somebody else, you know? As soon as you take it off of you, then your whole life becomes about this other person and you can't live a happy life if you're constantly focusing and thinking about another person's actions or what they're yeah. doing, you know? You live in their head and that's no place to be. Um, I also just want to mention uh, briefly, this is a movie that could have very easily been very uh, pedestrian and boring in the way it was photographed. It could have very easily been just this you know, period melodrama that looks like every other period melodrama. But um, I can't really pinpoint it, but the cinematography is amongst the most beautiful I have ever seen. The, I mean, of course, uh, people have probably seen, uh, just in culture, the, the amazing shots um, in the um, theaters uh, with Mozart conducting and... and um, and the seats behind him like that's those Mm -hmm. shots are pretty iconic but just the pedestrian stuff that happens um inside of you know his boudoir inside of the drawing rooms that they Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. the in the scene where he um plays the piano and outplays the whole situation um and there's just all these men gathered in the room um like that it could be so easy to make a scene like that boring um but the visuals are so interesting. The whole, it's sumptuous. 
Definitely, and to note, to carry through with that too, like this is based off of a play, and we've talked a lot about um, stage to film adaptations and opening them up, right? You watch the movie Amadeus, and I don't think you can tell this is from a play whatsoever. I, I did not realize, I didn't know prior to going in that it was from a play, and then um, as I was doing a little research preparing for the podcast, I read it was from a play, and I was legitimately surprised because mm-hmm. there was nothing about it that read like it was from a play. No, it doesn't feel stage-bound at all, you know? We have totally taken us out of the theater. We are... This is... This is wonderfully shot for film. And something interesting about that, Milos Forman sort of got a reputation after this movie and this win for taking what a lot of people would consider to be unfilmable plays or books or literary works and making them work, filming them and creating something that is a genius film. He did that with both Amadeus and Cuckoo's Nest, two works of um, literature that people were like, well, we can't make a movie out of this. It'll never work. This isn't going to work. And he does and wins Oscars for them. And I think that's really, really impressive. Really impressive. Yeah, I um, I, I am just impressed all around with, with this film. I think that this is... Um, you know, there's a lot of movies in the 80s that are very long. True, 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 true. The 80s is when it, it almost feels like there is a length requirement for the film <laughs> to win Best Picture. Um, oh, we're coming for you next year. We are coming yes, we for you. Are. Um, but uh, this is one of the times that I feel it is truly um, the correct Best Picture. Um, I think that this actually, um, I, whenever we do our, our overall ranking, whenever we mm-hmm. do that, I think that this is a, a top 20, at least, entry. Oh, easy. I think this is in the top quarter of the um, of the Best Picture winners, for sure. Easy. And it's yeah. so singular, too. There's really no other Best Picture winner like this. There's no other movie like this movie. There's no other movie that has handled this time period as well mm-hmm. as this movie yeah. has. So agreed. Okay, so I want to pick your brain, uh, brain just about what is your your favorite scene from this movie, if you had to pick one. Well, I mean, we kind of already discussed it extensively, but the... I Because I, I think this is the climax. Um, mm-hmm. The scene where they are writing um, the last yes. symphony um, as he dictates to him... Um, that scene is so intense, I feel. Like, it felt yes. edge-of-your-seat intense to me. Um, I, I I mean, yeah, yeah, that's probably... That is a great I scene. I like lots I love... of other little moments throughout the scene. And another one that you mentioned, uh, the scene... Actually, I mentioned it, and then you piggybacked, but whatever. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the line where he said there were too many notes, I like that little scene. That is a um, good one. I like the scene where um, in her dressing room that happens right after that. Yes. Um, where he realizes that they have clearly slept together. Um, yep. um Yeah, I like a lot of the little moments like that, too. Yeah. What I love yeah. about that dictation scene, too, is Tom Hall's purposefully gave his lines out of order in one of the takes to confuse F. Marie Abraham even more. So he was trying to catch up with where he was at. And that's why it comes across that he, 
you know, he kept saying, you're going too fast, you're going too fast, you slow down, I don't, I can't do it as fast as you. That's what he was saying because he was like, I, I don't know where you are in the script, <laughs> I'm lost here. And so it really works. I think it's brilliant, isn't it? It's so good. It's my, I think my great. favorite scene is the introduction to Mozart. We talk a lot about great character introductions on this podcast, and I think Mozart's introduction in this movie, it, it perfectly sets up his character. Um, Salieri goes to a concert Mozart's putting on just to meet him, to see if he can see what this, this guy looks like. He hasn't met Mozart yet either. He wants to see the face of this genius composer. And when at this concert, before it starts, he his eye is caught by a tray of food, and then he follows the food into the dining hall because he wants to eat it, right? No one's there yet. And as he's sneaking food, this young boy and girl rush into the dining hall, and they're playing like hide-and-go-seek. And then Salier decides to watch this young couple, essentially, kind of start flirting a little bit. They get a little sexual, a little hot and heavy, and he's kind of enjoying this, you know, this funny duo here in front of him. When all of a sudden, the young man he's been watching stops because he hears the music starting, and he stands up and he just says, my music. And there's a zoom into Salieri as you see his face and the realization spread across where he goes, oh my god, this little fucking prick is Mozart. And I just think that sets up the movie, the character, 100% perfectly. I love that scene. And that zoom, is it's such a good use of that um, camera technique. I think it's well, brilliant. Well, I mean, you, you, again, the cinematography in this movie, even in a scene that takes place in like a little, again, it's like a little drawing room or whatever yeah. where they're chasing each other around. And it, they, the fact that it may, it's so dynamic in the way that they shoot it and stage it yeah. is... Um, uh, not easy, not easy, and it's what God, no. makes this movie a cut above, I think. I think so too. So we agree, Amadeus is the best picture of 1984. Yes, I'm gonna. <laughs> um, no offense uh, to a, a truly, I think, very good showing of films that are very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but of yeah. these movies, it's yeah. about. It's about, um, this is Amadeus's year. It holds oh, up. Oh, yeah, and I think it's one of those movies that really deserved to sweep at the Oscars, too. It deserves all eight of its Oscars. I mean, Lawrence I Olivier thought so. He was like, we don't even need, like... Yeah, totally. He's like, there's no reason to even mention these other nominees. <laughs> very, very true. I love that. Yeah, I love Amadeus. This is, this is one of my favorites. Okay, 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 okay. Let's get into this. Next week... We're talking about 1985 and one of the longest movies in the world. We're going to have to discuss... One of the most controversial, controversial Academy decisions of all time. Very true. Well. We are going to be talking about Out of Africa I had, next I had week. a bomb in Africa. And this is so hard for me because I adore Meryl Streep so much, as all of our listeners know. But I do just can't get behind this movie. So we'll talk well, more about that my, next week. Yes. My hot take, in case anyone wants to know, and I will discuss this at further length next week, mm-hmm. the one thing I'm going to give out of Africa, it does have one of my favorite musical scores of all time. Oh, yes. I mean, the cinematography and the score is 
beautiful. It's breathtaking. The it process is. shots are not, but yes, otherwise. Right, yes. But <laughs> it's it's just a structure in the content that I'm just, oh man. We'll get into that next week, you guys. We will, we will bore you to death about Out of Africa next week. So join us and we'll discuss more about 1985. <laughs> 